All right. Oh, what happened there? Good, good. Okay. So as we've said, today is Pentecost Sunday. And uh, today we celebrate the, the birthday of the church uh, that began when the Spirit of God was poured out on a waiting group of Jesus followers almost 2,000 years ago. We celebrate it not because um, it's a dusty story from history, but because we believe that Jesus is still pouring out His Spirit on His church today. In fact, we believe that the Spirit of God is empowering the church more than ever today because the time is short, the return of Jesus is close, our job is big, and the hour is near. Amen? Amen. So today, I want to look at the work of the Spirit in our lives, the promise of the Spirit, the work of the Spirit, the power of the Spirit in our lives. Um, and I've called it the divine maestro. Maestro is a, is a title that's given to a conductor of an orchestra. And, and I just love this image of the Holy Spirit um, knowing what is in. A, a maestro knows what is, he has worked hours and hours and hours with every person in the orchestra. He knows what they're capable of. He knows what's inside them. He knows how they've been prepared. He knows how he's trained them and equipped them for this moment. And now it's the moment. And he has the baton or she has the baton. And as, as they lift it, every eye is on the maestro. Everyone is watching. And every move that the maestro makes brings, brings something beautiful out of the orchestra. And as he draws or she draws on the gifts and the talents and the, the things that are in each member of the orchestra, perfect timing. Perfect lead-ins. What rises from that orchestra is a sound that brings awe. And I believe that's a picture that we can draw on of what the Holy Spirit wants to do with His church. Sometimes... The maestro's waving the wand and everybody's looking every other direction. Everybody's got their own plan for what noise they want to make. But I believe that God is at work in the world in this season, pulling the attention of the church back to the maestro. Get our eyes off of our agendas, off of our offenses, off of our stuff, off of where we think we should go. 
and look at him. Look at him. Because he wants a beautiful sound to be rising out of his church so that the world would be in awe of who God is. Amen? The night before Jesus went to the cross, he told his disciples something crazy. He said that it was better if he went away. Right? Can you imagine being in that room in that moment? And you've been with Jesus for three years, watching him at work, watching him do miracles in people's lives, listening to his incredible teaching and how he, he brought the, the reality of the kingdom through his words. You, have, you, you can't imagine what your team of disciples would be without the master without Jesus being with you, and yet he says to you, it's better, it's for your good that I'm going away. How could that possibly be, right? But he said, unless I go away, the advocate or the comforter will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And he kept that promise on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit was given to the church so that we could continue the mission of Jesus. So that what, what was accomplished through one life walking through Palestine could be multiplied exponentially in thousands upon thousands, millions today upon millions of lives walking through the earth. That the, the works and the mission of Jesus could continue in this world. We are His body. We are His feet going in millions of directions on this earth that one Jesus walking on this earth couldn't go. But He has a body that is you and me that is meant to continue His work in Millions of places around the world. What he did for three years on the earth, we as his body on the earth are meant to continue to do. Jesus went around calling people to repentance. Teaching about the kingdom of God. Healing people from sickness. Delivering people from demons and changing lives all in the power of the Spirit. 
And if we are going to do these kinds of things, we need the power of the Spirit as well. Jesus went on to say a few verses later in John 16, He said, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. Jesus wasn't done teaching his disciples, and yet his ministry on earth was done. What do you do with that, right? I have much more to teach you. But I'm not going to be here anymore. And you couldn't bear it in this moment because you're overwhelmed. You've taken in more than you can can handle already. So what are we going to do about this? But when, this, when He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. And He will not speak on His own, Jesus says. He will speak only what He hears. And He will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify Me because it is from Me He will receive what He will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is Mine, That's why I said that the Spirit will receive from me what He will make known to you. See, the work of the Spirit of God on the earth is to glorify Jesus, to bring glory to Jesus. Amen? Make Jesus famous. That we on planet earth would see the glory of God in the face of Christ. That's the work of the Spirit. And then before Jesus ascended to the Father, He's recorded as saying more than once, wait in Jerusalem for the gift the Father has promised. See, the Holy Spirit being poured out on the church was not some new idea or new teaching that Jesus came up with. But the Father had been promising this gift for centuries already. Let's take a quick look. The gift promised in the, Holy, in, in the Old Testament. Here's a, here's a few scriptures. Just just. I don't have them up on the screen. Just listen to them. You can jot jot down the reference and look them up later if you want. Isaiah 32, verses 14 and 15. Isaiah 32, 14 and 15. The fortress will be abandoned. The noisy city deserted. Citadel and watchtower will become a wasteland forever. The delight of donkeys, a pasture for flocks, Until the Spirit is poured out on us from on high and the desert becomes a fertile field and the fertile field seems like a forest. Isaiah 44, verse 3. For I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my Spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. Ezekiel 36, 
verses 24 to 27. For I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Ezekiel 39, verse 29. I will no longer hide my face from them, for I will pour out my spirit on the people of Israel, declares the sovereign Lord. And then maybe the most famous one, Joel chapter 2, verses 28 and 29. And afterward, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Those of you who have heard a, 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 few, a few messages in a Pentecostal church will probably recognize those words also because they were the words that Peter quoted when he got up on the day of Pentecost after the Spirit had been poured out. And, and the, the followers of Jesus spilled out into the streets speaking in other tongues, speaking in languages they had not learned. Uh, and everybody's like, are these guys drunk? What's going on? And Peter says, no, it's nine o'clock in the morning. We haven't, we haven't been drinking. This is that. This is that which the Lord promised when he said, in the last days I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. This is that. Peter's saying that, that this, this thing that happened on the day of Pentecost was, was the promise fulfilled, was the Spirit of God poured out as He had promised to do. And that, that promise, that outpouring, the Spirit poured out upon the church. Jesus said that it was in order that we would have the power to be witnesses of all that he was and all that he had done. Jesus said that these, these promises from the Father would be fulfilled after he ascended to the Father. He said that the Father would send the gift of the Spirit. In Acts 1 verses 4 to 9 it says this, On one occasion, while he was eating with them, this is after Jesus' resurrection. On one occasion, after he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him 
And they asked him, Lord, are you, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Why do we need this supernatural power to be his witnesses? I think it's because he doesn't just want us to tell his story, but he wants us to demonstrate the reality of his kingdom with supernatural signs. The saving power of Jesus is not just a nice story, but it is a reality that changes lives. Jesus didn't just come bringing new ideas to make our lives a little better. He came to bring a new kingdom and a new reality. He didn't just come so that we could tell our children that they would go to heaven when they die. But he came to bring the reality of heaven to earth. Heaven is not just a pie-in-the-sky hope for after death, but it is the reality that Jesus brought to earth when he came. That means when Jesus shows up in our situation, our situation and our lives should be touched by heaven. In this age, in this day, when everyone has an idea about what is right, and we're told by our culture that no one should claim that their truth is truer than anyone else's truth because, well, that would be rude. That would be arrogant. But folks, we have to boldly declare that Jesus said he is the only way, the only truth, and the only life. And if that offends it offends. We ought not to be rude or arrogant about it. We don't need to be. In fact, we're told in, in 1 Peter 3.15 to always be ready to give a reason for the hope that we have, but to do so with gentleness and respect. We don't need to get in a fight with anybody. We don't need to win a fight with anybody. We don't need to call anyone else down to declare what Jesus said is true. We don't need to be rude or arrogant. We just need to hold up the banner of Jesus and say, He is truth. We can be bold because we know the truth and He has a name and His name is Jesus. Amen? And if He really is the truth, then it's not arrogant and unloving to let people know, but it's the most loving thing that we can do.
to point the way to Jesus. But why should they believe us when everyone else says they are right as well? If we could walk in this world filled again with the power of the Spirit of God and do the works of Jesus, walk in the supernatural ways of the Spirit, we don't need to tell them Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life so much as we can show them Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Who can argue with a body that's been healed? Who can argue with a demonized person that's been set free? Who can argue with an addict who has tried every other path of getting sober but suddenly meets Jesus and they are delivered? We are called to walk in this world filled with the Spirit, doing the works of Jesus so that we can not just talk about the kingdom, but we can show the kingdom. Amen? And so I want to turn us, before, just for a few more moments before we're, we conclude this morning, to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Where the works of the Spirit are described by Paul. He starts 1 Corinthians 12 by saying, Now about the gifts of the Spirit, I mentioned a few weeks ago when we were in our series on the Spirit that in the Greek it actually doesn't say gifts of the Spirit there, it says about the Spirit about the spiritual things, about the spirituals, about the things of the Spirit. About the things of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed or ignorant. I don't want you to be, to not know about the way the Spirit works. It's key for us, folks, to be, to be witnesses to Jesus that we would know the ways of the Spirit. Know the ways that the Spirit works. Verse 3, Therefore I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus be cursed and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts. That is the word gifts in the Greek, charismata. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, 
But in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. It's a beautiful couple verses here that captures the reality that the heartbeat of the Trinity is at work in his church. The heartbeat of the Trinity is at work in the dispersing of the gifts of the Spirit and the working through us. Right? Different gifts. Different gifts. No, we don't want to do that one yet. Different gifts. But the same Spirit distributes them. Different kinds of service, but the same Lord. In the New Testament, when it uses the word Lord, it's almost always talking about Jesus, isn't it? Right? So the Spirit, the Lord, and God. The same different kinds of work, but the same God at work in all of it. The gifts of the Spirit are the holy triune God working His plans and power through our lives to accomplish His divine purpose. And the Holy Spirit is the maestro. Conductor of the great orchestra calling out the right note from the right instrument at the right time to make the symphony of God's work on earth happen just as He determines. Let's read on. Verse 7. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. We'll come back to that verse. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healings by the same Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All of these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes them to each one just as He determines. I want to go back to that verse 7. To each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. First of all, to each one. If you know Jesus as your Savior, this includes you. Right? This includes you. To each one. Not to some not to chosen ones, not to a few ones, but to each one. To each one. You may say, well, I've never been used in any of those particular gifts. There there are other gifts mentioned in other places in the New Testament. This isn't the only list. 
But you might say, well, I, I don't know if I've ever been used in these supernatural gifts. Well, that, that doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit hasn't desired to give those gifts. It might mean that until now, maybe you thought it was for someone else. Maybe you didn't realize you were one of the each ones. Maybe you didn't feel qualified. You didn't feel like God loves you enough. God cares about you enough. God wants to flow through your life. That's for someone else. But folks, you are meant to be one of the each ones that the Spirit moves through. And then it says, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given. See, these gifts that the, Spirit, that the Bible talks about, these supernatural gifts... They're not something you can do. They're not something I can do. It is the Spirit of Jesus made manifest, made tangible. I mean, how many know you, we can't usually see a spirit, right? I, I, I'm not sure any of us has actually seen the Holy Spirit. They, they did when, when Jesus was baptized. The Spirit came down in an appearance that looked like a dove. It wasn't an actual dove, but it says it looked like a dove. Whatever that looked like, whatever that means, the Spirit was visible in that moment. But I don't think most of us have seen the Holy Spirit, but we have seen the Holy Spirit. When the gifts of the Spirit are manifest, it's a manifestation of the Spirit. We see the Spirit in action, right? The gifts are the manifestation of the Spirit. The life of Jesus is made tangible right in front of us. And it might be the manifestation of the Spirit, but it's done in cooperation with a human. Isn't that amazing that God chooses... To work with us. Right? I'm pretty sure the angels are on a, on a daily saying, God, are you sure that's a good idea? Right? Right? You've seen, you seen what that person, you know, you've seen what goes through their head sometimes. You, you hear what they said to their neighbor yesterday? You sure this is a good idea, right? But he chooses to work with us. He works in cooperation. But how does that work? We are not, we're not meat puppets, right? We're not, God doesn't just put his hand in us and move our mouth and suddenly we're like, doing weird things all of a sudden, right? Like, what, what does it look like when God cooperates with humans and does supernatural things? 
He doesn't take control of our arms like a marionette and make us lay hands on someone and pray for them, believing for their healing. We have to do that. Right? We have to do that. Oh, that's scary. Well, I know it's scary. But he gave you enough boldness that you can do this. But what if nothing happens? Pray again. Heard this recently. If if you're praying for someone who doesn't know Jesus and they've expressed a um you know a physical ailment something and you, and you feel prompted by the spirit to pray for them and you're like well what if nothing happens guess what they're not expecting anything to happen anyways so what are you going to lose right just do it and maybe something will happen right Maybe God will do something that will shock both of you. And he'll actually heal them and they'll see Jesus right in front of them as their, as their body is healed, right? We have to know when we step out that the Holy Spirit always has your back. Things may not happen the way you expect them to, but He always has your back. Trust Him. Trust Him. And He loves, He loves putting a spotlight on Jesus to make Him known anytime He can. That's why He's here. And so if we make ourselves available for the Spirit of God to do that through us, I bet He just might show up. Each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Stop that. For the common good. Working in the power of the Spirit is never about us. It's not about me. I think that's one of the reasons why we get nervous and we get scared to step out because, because then all of a sudden, I'm, you know, what if I look bad? Right? Well, I probably already look bad, so... Right? Like, it's not about us. It's not for us. It is for the person we're praying for. And they need it, guaranteed. They need Jesus. They need Jesus. And if we're doing it to showcase our giftedness or our ability or to make a name for ourselves then we're doing it with the wrong motivation. That's why in the, in the middle of this discussion that Paul has on the gifts of the Spirit from 
from chapter 12 to chapter 14, right in the middle of it, we find chapter 13, where Paul says, I want to show you the more excellent way to do this. And then he talks a whole bunch about love. Right? If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but I have not love, I am a clanging gong and a sounding cymbal. I'm just a bunch of noise. Jesus was the manifestation of God's love on the earth, and the gifts of the Spirit are the manifestation of God's love through us. The same Spirit that flowed through Jesus' life and ministry is the Spirit of God that He has poured out upon us. And he distributes the works of his spirit just as he determined. You know, I I really believe that that list in there, the gifts of the spirit, all the the lists of the gifts of the spirit in in the New Testament, I believe all of those things are available to all of us. I believe that the gifts of the spirit are the provision of God for what you need when you need it. I have, I have probably at some point functioned in, in each one of those gifts over the years. But there are, but there are ones that are not, right? Like, like there are ones that, that we, we are stronger in, that we flow in more easily. Right? That's why we talk about people who have the gift of this and who have the gift of that. And, and that's, you know, I think we need to find our niche. The maestro wants you to know whether you're the, the first violin or the third trombone, right? So that we can find our niche and the, and the maestro can bring out of us the very best of what he's put in us. Jesus wants you to receive a baptism of his spirit, not just a dab, not just enough to get by, but a full, overflowing, outpouring of the spirit. So how do we, how do we get in on this? going to get you to stand as we close. How do we get in on this? Well, we ask. We ask. Jesus said in Luke 11, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek And you will find, knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. To the one who knocks the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father in heaven Give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him.
We ask. We ask. And then we receive by faith. How how did you come to know Jesus as your Savior? Right? You ask. You said, Jesus, please forgive me. Please come into my life. I want you to be Lord. And then, and then, if the if the people leading you in that journey were 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 helping you well, they let you know it's done. The moment you ask, it's done. Right? Did you need to spend the next three years saying, "Well, God"? Did you forgive me? Did you save me? Did you rescue me? Did you do it? No, by faith you received and you know that you had it. How do we receive from the Holy Spirit? We ask in faith and then we receive by believing. Amen? So I want to invite you today. Maybe maybe you've never heard a message like this. It's what happened to me when I when I was baptized in the spirit. I had never heard a message like this about the Holy Spirit in my life. I grew up in a church where that wasn't taught. They didn't talk about the Holy Spirit. I it had ne- I'd never heard about the Holy Spirit, I just received and it happened and then I'm like, what was that, right? Maybe, maybe you've never heard a message about the Holy Spirit like this. Or maybe you were filled years ago, but today you're here just saying, I am so dusty, dry, empty. I need, I need a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Folks, no matter how much you've received, there's always more. There's always more. So I want to pray with you. If there are those who who want to receive this morning, I would encourage you, we're going to, we're going to just sing this, uh, this chorus through once. I would encourage you to step out from where you are, that you would take a, an active step of faith, step out from where you are, and just come up here and just say, God, I need a fresh outpouring of your spirit. Just, just ask. Just ask. Sweep over my soul. Sweep over my soul, sweet spirit, sweep over my soul. My rest is complete as I sit at your feet, sweet spirit. Sweep over my soul. Sweep over my soul. Sweep over my soul. Sweet spirit. Sweep over my.
I sit at your feet, sweet spirit, sweep over my soul. So we're going to pray together. If, you, if you're asking, if you're longing, if you're wanting the Spirit of God to come fill you, maybe the first time, maybe the tenth or a hundredth time, you're saying, God, I need a fresh outpouring of your spirit today. Just join your heart with me and pray something like this. God, we thank you for the gift of your spirit. We thank you today that you have provided the power of your spirit so that we don't need to try and live this life in our strength, so that we don't need to try and be witnesses for Jesus in our strength. So we don't have to try and be smart enough, strong enough, wise enough, powerful enough to do what you've called us to do. Holy Spirit, I need you. Come, Holy Spirit. Come fill me today. Come wash over me. Come baptize me with your power, with your presence. Touch my life in a fresh way today. That I would be shaken to my core. That I would have new motivation, new authority, new power. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Jesus. Jesus, come baptize us with your spirit in a fresh way today. Pour out your spirit upon us. Distribute the gifts of your spirit as you determine. Come be the maestro in our lives and call out the best in us. Fill us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. need to go, you need just feel free to do that this morning, but we want this room to be a place the next few minutes where we can just continue to seek the Lord, continue to lean in and ask Jesus for a fresh outpouring of his spirit upon us today. If you want to visit, please feel free to do so in the lobby, but let's just make this a space where we can call out on the Lord. Ask him, as a church, we need the power of the Spirit. 